0: Well, the question for the morning is, who are you? Not you, Jesus. Somebody asked him that. Uh, they said, who are you? Who are you? And we're going to be like detectives with those people in the first century who were trying to figure out who this Jesus was. His friends were trying to figure out who he was. What did he say? What did he do? We don't know who he is. And his enemies were trying to figure out who he was they, because they wanted to kill him. So they needed some proof. The point is, they were all like detectives on the hunt. We just came back from family camp at Silver Birch Ranch. How many of you have come to Harvest's family camp up at Silver Birch Ranch? All right, awesome. Keep it in your, uh, in your thoughts for next summer. If you want a vacation that's spiritual as well as recreational, you can't beat it. But I shared uh, three messages there from John 8, and it was called the theme was called the hunt. It was like Sherlock Holmes. We were detectives trying to figure out, we're on the trail of truth figuring out just who Jesus was Um, and that made me think of when I was a kid the the cartoons that I liked that involved a lot of like detective work like traveling all over following the clues to try and solve the mystery so I picked my three favorite childhood cartoons and I want to see if you can guess what they are all right you think you can do it if you know it shout out what this cartoon was go ahead and play the first one Somebody said it, who said it? Anthony said it, Inspector Gadget. He had the hat, that's all he needed. All those gizmos and gadgets came out of his hat, he could fly all around, right? Who was the bad guy? The claw, right, with that cat? All right, cool, you got the first one. Who's the next one? See if you can guess this one. He lived in the 80s. Ducktail. well done. How many of you watch DuckTales growing up style? Things, it's yeah! We're reliving our past right here. They traveled all over the world trying to solve mysteries. All right, here's the third one. Did you get this one? Harder. Anyone know it? The Adventures of Tintin. From the back. Well done. Steven Spielberg made a movie about it. One of the great explorers. And, well, you put all those together, right? So take DuckTales, take like Inspector Gadget, take Tintin, and they're following the clues and trying to solve the mystery and get the bad guy, right? And, and that's, that's like what's going on in the Bible today. They're following the clues and trying to figure out who Jesus is. This search takes them through thousands of years of history, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, back to Abraham's time. The search takes them up to heaven as they're following the clues and piecing together who this Jesus is. Hey, listen, the most important question you will ever answer is, who are you, Jesus? Your eternity depends on your answer to that question. It's time to go on the trail of truth and figure out who this Jesus really is. Let's pray and then we'll get into the word and we'll go on the hunt together. Father, we glorify you for your word. We know that you want us to understand who Jesus is. So help us as we follow along as these first century followers of Christ and enemies of Christ. We're trying to figure out who he was. Help us to figure out who he was and help us to know you, Jesus, in a much deeper level today than we've ever known you before. In your name we pray. Amen. Are you there in John 8, verse 21? John 8, verse 21. A little background for you, just because you don't want to tear open the Bible and just start reading or you won't get what's going on. We are at a national feast. Israel had several national feasts. Wouldn't that be great if all of America just got together and stopped working and started eating for a whole week straight together? Wouldn't that be great? That's what Israel did. They all went to a feast, week long, two weeks long. So they're there. This was the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. So um, if you remember your Old Testament history, God uh, started this feast as a way to remind the Israelites that he led the children of Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea, then into the wilderness, and on the way to the Promised Land. They basically lived in like tents and shacks and whatever they could make. So God said, what I want you to do is once a year, just everybody get together, and I want you to build booths or tabernacles or and live in it for a week. So would you do that with your family today? Would you take the kids outside and say, all right, grab some sticks and stones and branches and zip tie them together and behold, our dwelling for a whole week. That's what God did. Now, How closely they followed that command in Jesus' day, we don't know. We don't know if they all actually lived outside under the stars in, you know, sticks and stones. But the point was, remember that I'm the God who set you free and took you into the promised land. It's against this backdrop of the Feast of Booths that Jesus uses that to reveal truths about himself. So Jerusalem is filled with people. Jesus has an audience. And that's where this conversation is happening. In verse 21 says this, so he said to them again, I am going away. You will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come? Is he suicidal? He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I'm going away. Where is he going? Is he going to kill himself? I'm going back to where I'm from, above. I think we can figure out where that is, right? Heaven. First thing you can write down is this. Who is Jesus? Well, he says, believe I'm from heaven. Believe I'm from heaven. I'm going away. Where are you going? Back to where I came from. Where is that? I'm from above. I'm going back to heaven. Back like I was there. Like I was there. And I'm going back back there did you ever see the movie back to the future I'm in an 80s mood right this I'm just thinking back to all the wonderful things that the 80s gave us in 1985 back to the future Marty McFly showed up and what year is he back in the 50s or the early 60s I don't remember but okay 55 and he shows up and he's like I'm from the future and I'm trying to get back there and everyone's looking at him like you're crazy So I've got a video clip here from the movie. This is where future Marty is trying to tell past tense Doc that he's from the future. So check it out. I'm going to read your thoughts. Let's see now. You come here from a great distance? Yeah, exactly. Don't tell me. Uh, You want me to buy a subscription to the Saturday Evening Post? No. Not a word. Not a word. Not a word now. Quiet. Uh donations you want me to make a donation to the coast guard youth auxiliary doc i'm from the future i came here in a time machine that you invented now i need your help to get back to the year 1985 i'm from where you're going where That's exactly what it felt like when Jesus was like, I'm from above, and I'm trying to get back there. I'd love to see the look on their faces when he said that to them. And don't think that the disciples were all there like, amen, verily. (laughs) Yeah, of course he is. They're all like, what did he say? They're all trying to piece it together. Who is this guy who says, I am from above. I am not of this world. That's crazy talk. Just try and tell someone this week you're from another planet. I'm from another world. Just try and say, like, what world? All the Star Trek people would be like, oh, which one is it? Is it Vulcan? Is it Romulus? Is it Kronos? My friends have a guess which one is going to contact us first. Which planet are you from? This is like alien talk. I'm from another world. And when someone tells you they're from another world, they're cuckoo. All right, now, guys, I'm just going to say this. If you go out on a date with a pretty girl and she leans in real close and smiles and says to you, guess what? Guess what? I'm from Alderaan. I'm not from around here. Date over. Walk away. Vader's coming. Walk away. You don't, you don't talk to people who tell you they're from another world. Jesus told people he's from another world. I'm from another world, I'm from above. Sometimes people will say, show me where Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to be from another world. He said he was going back to where he came from. He came from heaven. He lived before he lived. That makes him different than everyone in the room. There was a time when you wasn't. There was a time when you weren't. Facing the reality of your previous non-existence is one of the most humbling things you'll ever do. You were nowhere, you were no one, you were nothing but a potential thought in the mind of a God who decided to get creative. Oh, and your mom and dad couldn't do it alone. Someone had to give you a spirit and a soul, otherwise you would have just been flesh and blood. But that's not true about Jesus. He lived before he lived. He was around before he came down. I came from heaven. We have to believe that Jesus is from heaven. And understand what he said here. He didn't just say, I'm from another world, heaven. He said, you can't come. Verse 22. Where I am going, you cannot come. He had the nerve to say he's from above, and he had the nerve to say, you can't come. Who does he think he is? He's from there, and it's as if he already knows who's going to end up there. Who is this guy? As if he has some authority to tell you or me, you can't come. I'm from there and you can't come. This is actually true at birth of every one of us. We can't come to heaven. When we're born, we are not born heaven bound. We're not on our way there. Jesus said, I am from above. He said, you are from below. And that's true. He's not saying mean things like, I'm going and you're not. He's not being like vindictive. He's telling the truth. You can't come. It's a fact. He's also telling the future. He says here in verse 21, you will seek me, you'll die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. Those who die in their sin can't go to heaven. That's what Jesus says. I'm from there, I came from there, I'm going back there. If you die in your sin, you can't come. This is a judgment. Something, someone needs to change our eternal home or we can never get there. Jesus claimed to be that one. He claimed to be the king of heaven, the one with authority to know who goes and who doesn't. He came from there, and listen, you can't come without him. You you have a better chance of one day seeing Asgard than ever seeing heaven without Jesus. It's impossible. You'll never see it without him. You can't go where he's from. Who is this? Well, we have to believe he's from heaven. Look at verse 24. In verse 24, after Jesus said, I'm not of this world, he says, I told you that you would die in your sins For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Don't read past that phrase where he says, I am he. It's actually a really big deal. Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. You can write that down and then I'll explain it. Believe I'm from heaven. And number two, believe I am he, or you will die in your sins. What does that mean, I am he? Jesus is saying things that Scholars of the Old Testament would pick up on immediately. He was saying things that only God said in the Old Testament. You know, our kids are uh, learning the Bible, right? The New Testament, and, and they're up on stage. Our children were up on stage for vacation Bible school, and they were learning Bible verses. So if I were to say something that resembles a New Testament verse, they'd be able to pick up on it, right? Well, the same thing's going on here. But what is it that he's quoting when he says, unless you believe, I am he... You'll die in your sins. Well, Isaiah 43, 25 says this. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Do you hear that? I am he. Throughout Isaiah, time and time again, this phrase, I, I am he, I am the one, I, I am he, is used. And so they instantly would have known Jesus just kind of said something that sounded like something in the Old Testament. This person, I am he, blots out transgressions, and doesn't remember sins. So this is God telling people he will authoritatively take away sins. So Jesus says here, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Do you see how the religious leaders would hear something in that? Like, wait a minute, what did he just say? I, I am he who blots out the sins? Wait a minute, only God talks like that. Only the conversation is flowing so quickly and Jesus just says it so smoothly that they don't quite fully get it yet. Isaiah 48:12 says this, "Listen to me, O Jacob, and Israel, whom I called. I am he. I am the first and I am the last." So this I am he divine being in Isaiah is the first and the last, the eternally existing one who called Israel out of slavery. Jesus said, unless you believe I am he, you'll die in your sin. And they heard that and they were wait a minute. Who who are you? They said it in verse 25. They said to him, "Who, who are you? Who are you claiming to be? Jesus flat out said, believe I am he or you'll die in your sins. Who? He who blots out your transgressions. He, Jacob and Israel, who called you. He who is the first and the last. Believe I am he or you'll die in your sins. We have to believe that Jesus is a divine being, who came down from heaven, who lived before he lived, who has authority to wipe away our sins. That's who we have to believe him to be. We know later in this chapter Jesus after he leads up to it finally says it. In John 8:58, he says, "Truly, truly I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am." You remember from Exodus 3, right, when God was talking to Moses about his name and uh, Moses was like, well, who do I say sent me? Tell them I am that I am has sent you. Say, I am has sent you. You might think that's a weird name. It's not in the baby name book. I am. Why would God name himself I am? He's the only one who can actually say that. I am. Because there was a time, like I said, when you wasn't. That's never true about him. One defining trait about God is he's always been. He's eternally existing. He's self existent. He just is. That's not true about you. You were caused, you were made. He wasn't. So for Jesus to say, before Abraham was born, you're talking AD 2000 or BC 2000 there. 2000 years before I was born, I am. I've always existed. They knew that he claimed to be God and they picked up stones and tried to end his life for blasphemy. Jesus said, believe I am he. I am the one who talked to Moses. I am the one in Isaiah who blots out your sins. Believe that or you'll die in your sins. Do you know most Americans think they're going to heaven? A poll in 2011 uh, says most Americans do not expect to experience hell firsthand. There was one in 2011. There was one earlier in like 2003 or 2004. But what they found out was this. Half of Americans said this, if you're generally good, you'll go to heaven. Half of Americans say if you're generally good, you'll go to heaven. Whatever that means. So they think most people are going to heaven. When they ask people, do you think you're going to hell? one half of one percent of people expect to go to hell upon their death not even one in a hundred half of a percent of people would honestly say yeah i think i'm hellbound." most people think they're going to heaven jesus comes along and says you can't come no wonder they get offended when we start telling them about this jesus no wonder they get offended when we start claiming that we have this truth that can save what would they need that for they already think they're heaven bound but jesus said you can't come why because he's mean because he's exclusive because he wants the biggest fan club in all of history no because it's true you can't come i can't go to heaven we don't belong there only jesus came from heaven and if we don't believe in him we'll die in our sins and we won't go We're born with a sin problem and we can't solve it. Jesus said he came to blot out sin and transgression and to do away with our sins that keep us from God. So we have to believe he is the one from heaven because only he can take us there. What are we supposed to believe about this Jesus? Well, that he's from heaven. That he's the one. He is the one who speaks like God. If we don't believe that, we'll die in our sins. So... Jesus said, I'm from heaven. He said, believe in me, or you'll die in your sins. And then he goes on to say this, believe that I declare what I heard from God. So look at verse 25. It says in verse 25, they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge. We'll come back to that in a second. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. Jesus says here that God sent him into the world. Jesus declares here that he has much to judge but he's holding off on it for now, and he says he's declaring to the world what he heard from God. All right, this is what makes one more thing that makes Jesus unique in all of humanity. He was sent by God into the world. Now as a church, we're sent by God into the world too, right? But not from heaven. He was sent down, Christmas, right? He was sent from God with what? With a message, a divine message from heaven to tell the world. It's for the world. So this divine messenger comes from the Father to the world with a message for the world. He also is the message. The message is that he is the one who blots out transgression. So he heard this from God and he's supposed to bring it to us. You know, the Bible will tell us our true spiritual condition in many ways, but one of the ways it describes who we are before Christ is it says that you're, you're blind. You can't see God without Jesus. Jesus has to open your eyes and show you God. But another way the Bible describes our condition is it says we're deaf. We can't hear God until Jesus opens our ears. Jesus is the voice from God. He is the truth from God. It's only in Him that we can finally hear God. Before that, we're deaf, spiritually deaf. One of my uh, kids was having a hard time hearing. I don't mean like being a bad listener. All of my children struggle with that. Maybe your children do too. But I mean, she actually was having a hard time hearing. Like, I can't hear, I can't hear, I can't So took her to the doctor. The doctor leaned her over and looked in her ear, and he was like, oh. And then he reached for the long tweezers. And he went in there, and I mean, he was in there mining for a good five minutes. And he was just like, oh, hold on, I got to just wait. Like the game Operation, right? And and. And he pulls out this black ball of earwax that's as big as a marble. Oh, right out of the ear. And he's like, I've never seen anything like this before. And we were like, that's why you couldn't hear. How gross is that? But the Bible says that's you and me spiritually before Christ speaks the words of god to us we can't hear we're all clogged up and someone has to help us to hear jesus says that what he says is from god believe that i declare what i heard from god well what is it that he has to say well the first thing he says is he who sent me is true he's true god's true that's a message to the atheists who would say god is false nope he's true jesus brings a message from god that is true And God is true. It's also a message to the agnostics who would say, you know what, I think there's a God, we just can't know anything about Him. He's so out there and far, there's many opinions that could be right or wrong, so we just can never fully know for sure who God is. Uh, False, because God is true, and He sent Jesus into the world with a message so that we can know Him. And then there are many religious teachers who claim to have some heavenly insight into the person of God, when they say contradictory things about God, those things are false. Well, who are you to tell other people what to believe? There's only one person who came down from heaven with the truth about God. The person is Jesus. It's by that standard of truth that we judge all other truths. Jesus said, I came from God. He sent me to tell you the truth about him. We can't know the Lord unless he reveals himself and Jesus is the full revelation of the Father and his teachings therefore are of God. 1 John 5.20 says this, We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in his Son, Christ Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Do you notice there that He came and He gave us understanding because He wants us to know the truth. Did you see that we can be in the truth if we're in Christ? That's a relational term, meaning we're numbered among His followers. And then at the end there, it says He is the true God and eternal life. Who? Who? Jesus or the Father? Jesus or the Father? Right. Right. It's ambiguous. The point is, He is the truth from God. He is the life from God. All the truth and life from God is bound up in the person of Jesus Christ, which is why the New Testament calls him the wisdom of God. The riches of the treasure of the wisdom of God are found in Christ Jesus. He put it all in a person. Not in a book. He put it in a person. And the book is valid and authoritative because the person is true. Everything in our book is true and valid because Jesus is true. He is the truth. So Jesus... Claimed to be this special messenger. He claimed to have exclusive familiarity with God. He, claimed, he talked like he enjoyed face to face, first hand fellowship with God throughout eternity. I'm from above. I'm going back there. He talked like someone who knew God completely forever. There's no one else like him. So we're on the trail of truth, right? We're finding the clues. We're trying to piece together who this person is and suddenly we're not even on earth anymore we're up in heaven trying to figure out who he is and then we're in the old testament and he's talking about being i am he who wipes away transgressions and blots out iniquity jesus is leading us all over trying to show us who he is he declares what he heard from god he says god is true he is the truth from god Jesus is claiming to be one of a kind. If you look back in these verses, he's already said, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. You'll die in your sins, you can't come with me unless you believe I am he. In verse 25, he says, I've just been telling you this from the beginning. I have much to say about you in judgment. He who sent me is true, I declare it to the world. Do you know that this truth that we believe about Jesus is not just for Christians? It's for the world. Do you know that the Father has sent us into the world like he sent his Son so that we can declare to the nations the truth about Christ so that he can wash away their sins? How awesome is it that Pastor Mark is in Romania? One percent Christian. There are many people who would claim that they would be Orthodox Christians there, but one percent would claim to be baptized, evangelical, Bible-believing Christians. One in a hundred. And here we are trying to get the truth of Christ to the nation. It's our mission. Well, who are you? Well, we have to believe he's from heaven. We have to believe I am he, he is he, or we'll die in our sins. We have to believe that he's declaring what he heard from God. And then this last one, we'll camp here for a little while. Sometimes we get to the last point and everyone's like, all right, we're almost done. There's a lot here, relax. Verse 27, they did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. There it is again. I am He. And then I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. As He was saying these things, many believed in Him. So you can write this down. Believe I am the saving Son of God. He's talking about the Father. He's talking about being lifted up. And he's talking about doing this work that would be pleasing to the Father. And then there were those who believed in him to be saved. Believe, I am the saving Son of God. Let's take this bit by bit, but look back at verse 27. He was talking about the Father. God is a Father who wants you into his family, but God only has one child, one biological child who has his DNA from from eternity past. That's Jesus. The only way you and I get into the family of God is by adoption. Jesus alone can make us sons of God and daughters of God. He's talking to them about the Father. They didn't get it. Jesus said to them, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, all right, Son of Man, you should know in the book of Daniel, that's a title of the Messiah. There would be this divine being who comes on the, on the, riding on the clouds into the presence of the Ancient of Days, and to him was given a kingdom where he would reign forever in glory. Who is this ruler? He's called the Son of Man. Jesus took that title, Son of Man, and Put it right on himself i'm the son of man what would they do with the son of man he said here you will lift him up that doesn't mean praise him that means crucify him now don't read past this too quickly jesus here predicts his own death and you might be like well duh everyone knows jesus dies on a cross it... no one knew it then no one knew it had to happen no one knew it was gonna happen it was never taught in history class Guess how many people were outside the tomb when Jesus was supposed to rise from the dead? Like soldiers. None of the disciples got up with popcorn and they're like, this is going to be great. None of them. There were women on the way to the tomb with spices to prepare a body to rot in the ground for the next 2,000 years. That's about how much they understood about what Jesus was doing. They were going to see a corpse. So nobody understood this whole dying on a cross thing. They were all, Jesus called it. He said, yep, when you lift him up, you're going to kill me. It was actually not easy to pull off. The Jews could only execute someone if they could find them guilty of blaspheming the law and Moses or the temple. So whenever you read the trial of Jesus or even the trial of Stephen, you'll keep hearing the law of the temple and Moses coming up. You're like, why do they keep bringing that up? It's because if they could prove that he was guilty of blaspheming the temple or the law, then they could kill him. Loopholes. were like two loopholes in the law. Otherwise, the Romans wouldn't let him kill him. So Jesus said to them, you're going to do it. You'll lift me up. That was actually hard to do, but he told them, you'll do it. You'll get it done. When you lift me up. It's pretty impressive to call how you're going to die. Jesus predicted the future here. Could you tell people when you were going to die and how you're going to die? I know when I'm going to die. I found an internet poll, like a quiz. You just answer a few questions like, do you smoke? Do you drink? How, you know, do you exercise? And then it tells you when you're going to die. I actually turned out pretty good. I, I, I've got a picture here of the results. I'm going to live to be 95. I'm above average. I, it says I have 58 years left to live. I'll die in 2073. And of my life has already been lived. That's legitimate. It's called Go To Quiz. You can take the same quiz and find out when you're going to die. How many of you believe that that's actually valid? (laughs) No way. The internet told me I'm going to live to be 95. Woo, go skydiving without a parachute. You can't predict your death. You can't predict when or how. But Jesus did. You're going to lift me up, I'll be crucified. Hard to do. He said they're going to do it. That's actually impressive that he could tell the future. But he just didn't want to dazzle people by telling the future. He wanted to show the mission that he had been given from the Father. Hey, I'm from heaven. I was sent here with a message for you. Um, you got to believe in me to be saved, but you're going to kill me. When I'm lifted up, then you'll understand. He's telling the story of his mission he's the saving son of God who had come into the world from heaven to die on the cross then he would be raised on the third day then he would go back to heaven when he told them at the beginning of this conversation i'm going away i'm going away it was such a such a passive and subtle way of saying i'm going to be brutally butchered by you i'm going away But he didn't focus on the death, because beyond his death, he would rise to new life, and then he would ascend back into the presence of the Father. I'm going away. I'm going away. I'm going back to heaven, and you can't come. We have to believe that he's the saving Son of God, or we can't come. Did you catch where Jesus said, just in passing, verse 26, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. Jesus says, I have much to judge. Sometimes people will say, oh, well, the Bible says, who are you to judge? Judge not, lest you be judged. Yeah, Jesus said, I have much to judge. And the time is coming. The Father has given all authority to judge to the Son. He will come back to judge, just not yet. The wrath of God is being stored up against sinners right now. So don't think, because you get to live another day, that you're off the hook from the coming judgment. Jesus says, I have much to judge and much to say to you. Jesus knows you completely. He knew their thoughts. He knew their future choices. He knew their destiny that they would go to hell. He knew them, and he knows you. He knows you completely. Top to bottom, start to finish, he knows you. He knows your past. He knows your present. He knows your future. What's even more marvelous is he knows God. He knows God completely, eternally. The one who knows you completely knows God completely, and he came down to save you. Who is this? It's Jesus. He's the saving son of God. Do you know that your time is coming? The Bible speaks of a judgment day in the future where all the dead will be called back from their graves. Christians believe in the bodily resurrection of the dead. We don't believe you're going to float up to heaven and be a spirit or an angel forever. You will stand upon your own tombstone one day in the future after you hear his voice. Then you'll be gathered into the presence of the Father. Earth and sky flee from his presence. The Bible then says that books will be opened. There will be a book with your name on it. It'll open up and it will be an exhaustive, unabridged record of your entire life. It will have it listed in there everything you've ever done. Everything you've ever said, everything you've ever heard, everything you've ever thought, all the good things you were supposed to do that you left undone. It will be, the records will be more meticulous than the IRS. Nothing will be left out and your book will open. And the things that no one knows about you right now will be open and laid bare for all to see. It's the most horrifying moment in your entire existence. Nothing will be hidden. It will all be there. And there'll be no arguing. You won't be able to say, oh, that, no, that, you don't understand. Uh, uh, All right, let's pull it up on the screen here. Angels, can you show that 1984, May 5th? You want another camera angle? Okay, go to camera B. Is that you? You ever get those red light tickets where they send you the video of going through the red light? Yeah, every time people get those, they're like, oh, yeah, I had to watch the video. And then what happened? I did it. Unbelievable. Guilty. That's heaven. That's, that's the judgment. And, and then after you verify that that really happened, right? Yep. All right. Let's go on to sin number three billion and five. It will be an exhaustive record of your debt towards God, your sin. At the end of it, you will declare yourself guilty. This is the thing. People don't go to hell you know, as if they belong in heaven, but God's cruel and unusual. They go to hell because they deserve to go to hell. You could search the, this is a big deal. In your heart, if you have a problem with hell, it's probably because you think it's unfair. You can search God's court records for all of eternity and you won't find a shred of injustice. Everyone who ends up in hell deserves to be there. And the people who say, oh, well, as long as you're a pretty good person, you can go to heaven. What they actually want is not justice. If they wanted justice, they would want every sin punished, right? What they want is injustice. They want sins to not be punished. They want a God who doesn't punish sin. They're banking on God being unjust and allowing most people into heaven. I don't want an unjust God for eternity. I don't want a God who permits sin in heaven, and there won't be one. So just get that clear in your soul. Those who go to hell deserve to go to hell. The trial will be fair, they will be guilty. You will go to hell unless see because your book's going to condemn you the end of your book guilty but there's another book the book of revelation said there's another book it's called the lamb's book of life his book is not filled with any sin at all he never sinned so he's the only one who can go to heaven but he's got people who he's going to take with him if your name is in the lamb's book of life you get to go to heaven If it's not in the lamb's book of life you don't get to go to heaven you can't come It's so clear. Jesus says, I'm from above. If you die in your sins, you can't come where I'm going. But when you've lifted him up, when I've died on the cross for you, then you'll know I am he. I am he who blots out your sin. He says here, I don't do this on my own authority. This isn't something Jesus thought up. This is God authorized. He says, I speak just as the Father taught me. Where'd you hear that? Heaven. And he who sent me is with me. Meaning what you're hearing right now is authorized by the Father who is present in the message. He's not left me alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. Jesus never sinned. He always did what was pleasing to the Father. And as He was saying these things, many believed in Him and found eternal life. Hey, have you gotten to the point where you realize you are born deaf, you can't hear God's voice? Only Jesus can show up and give you the message from God that you need to hear that can save you. Have you gotten to the point in life where you realize that you can't come to heaven? Jesus is from heaven. He can bring you with him. If you're with him, you get in. If you're on your own, your book will condemn you. And you will have no appeal on that day. Do you believe that's true? It is true. Have you gotten to the point where you're ready to admit that Christ is the one who can wipe away your sins? Do you admit you have a sin problem you can't solve? Or do you still think that If you're generally good, you'll get to heaven because the Bible contradicts that. Your time is coming. Your judgment will be full and just. And Jesus wants to get you ready for that moment. Who do you say he is? The Bible says he came from the Father with authority to speak a divine message. He did something on the cross that satisfied God eternally. And now he can take you to be with him. Do you believe that's true? That's your only hope. It's your only hope. Who are you? He's from heaven. He's the one who can wipe our sins away. He declares what he heard from God. He's the saving son of God. Hey, I just want to challenge you. Maybe you don't have a time in your life where you realized and admitted that you need to be saved. Maybe no one's ever told you you can't go to heaven. Maybe you've assumed like the 99.5% of Americans that you're just going to get there for being generally good. Uh, Maybe you walked in feeling like you're going to heaven and now you're not so sure. Jesus wants to tell you the truth, not to condemn you, not to rub your face, not to open your book and be like, you're so terrible, but to be like, hey, I'm here to save you. He tells you the truth to rescue you. And if you open your heart to that message, the Bible says, and repent of your sin and turn towards God, then Jesus will save you. And nothing can take you out of his hand. Past, present, and future, he can blot out your sins and transgressions. He can make you white as snow. He can make you acceptable in God's presence because of his sacrifice. On the cross, Jesus shouted out in a loud voice, it is finished! And the children of God who know that this is an authorized thing from the Father know nothing can take you out of heaven ever. And you can have this assurance now if you call upon Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can know him as Savior and Lord. But you have to believe. You have to believe the truth about him. That you have a sin problem only he can solve. He's the only one who can do it. Then, if you call out to him, he'll save you. I want to give you a chance right now to just respond to what you heard and to express faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't we all close our eyes and let's go to the Lord in prayer? Jesus, I believe that you are he. You are the promised Messiah, the divine one who will rule forever. The one who has seen and heard God. The truth from the lips of God. The word who became flesh. Lord, I know there are many here this morning who are resting their eternity on that truth and fill them with great joy. That you are from another world and you went to prepare a place and soon you will return. And we will be with you forever. Praise you for that, Jesus. Thank you that though you knew they would lift you up and horribly kill you, you pleased the Father with your mission. But I think of those this morning, Father, who don't yet know that they're going to heaven. They don't yet know that their sins are forgiven. They're still stuck in guilt and shame. They can't stop sinning even though they've tried and they know that their judgment is coming. Father, I pray that at this moment when they are feeling guilty and ashamed, that they would turn towards you, knowing, Lord Jesus, that you came to save them, to take away their sins. And I just pray as your spirit moves in hearts in this room that there would be some who would pray to you, not magic words, but words of faith, that they would pray in their own hearts saying this, Father, I confess that I have sinned. I confess that I have broken your law. I confess that my book will convict me and that I deserve to be away from your presence forever. But I call upon Jesus, your son, to be my savior. I believe he came into the world, lived the perfect life. I believe he died and rose again. I trust his work to see me safely into your kingdom. Father, I just ask that you would give any who are calling upon Jesus as Savior and Lord this morning, a full assurance by your Spirit and from your Word, never will you leave them, never will you forsake them. They will be with you forever through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Give us all this assurance, Lord, this week. Help us to know that our eternity is sealed by the one who came from a different world. And We pray this in your name. Amen.